0: Yes, you can show emotion. Yes, you can enjoy. Matter of fact, uh, one of the uh, scripture passages that was read today talks about dancing before the Lord. And uh, I, know, I know in our kind of culture that's something we go, what? But, you know, I think when we stand before God, I think when we stand before God Almighty, we're going to be so thrilled that the energy is just going to be within us. That we're going to be able to do nothing but give him praise. And it doesn't matter what anybody's saying beside us or front of us or behind us, but we're just going to continue to give him praise and honor and glory because we recognize where we were headed and now we know where we are at and we're going to be able to do nothing but give him praise. So turning your Bibles to Matthew 18, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew 18, hey there it went, I was looking for that verse. And go to Matthew 18 here and uh, we're going to be talking about, as you know, I've been trying for four weeks to preach this sermon okay? And uh, because we've been talking about the generous life, and what does it mean to have a generous life? And part of it is uh, where we are willing to sacrifice ourselves for unity or whatever. And so so we finally got to this particular sermon that was prepared four weeks ago that I've been trying to get in, but it just seemed like one thing after another after another keeps uh, coming in. So We are now here, finally. But Matthew chapter 18 is a passage in which starts out with this question in verse 1. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And what does Jesus do? He takes a little child, brings him up, and says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child or a little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we can talk a lot about what actually that means, but I just look at children and how pure they are, how innocent they are, and uh, just how children actually are. That's one of the joys of being a grandparent. You know, you, you finally got rid of your kids, and now you get other kids that are now coming in, and you just, for the second time, you're able to see the innocence that is there. I mean, um, many of you know that I got grandkids that are up in Bryan, Ohio, and I got grandkids that are in Korea. How many of you got Alexa? Anybody got Alexa? You got Alexa? You got Alexa? You know you can FaceTime people on Alexa, right? And uh, my grandchildren realized in Korea how to do that. So they go up to Alexa and go, oh, Alexa, call Mama, Paul, Paul." But they don't know what time it is. And the first time they did that was, was it 3 or 4 in the morning, Polly? Where is Polly? My wife left me. 3 or 4 in the morning. And uh, we hear this in the background. <laughs> we hear my daughter going, Lily, what are you t- who are you talking to? Oh, no, that's Grandma and Grandpa. <laughs> and then so they hang up real quickly. And we're just going, okay, well, whatever. Well, so last time they, I, we got a phone call from uh, on the other side of the world at 3 in the morning. My daughter was having a baby. So, you know, children are just very, very innocent. And that's what's so unique and and wonderful about them. But Jesus, in some respects, is saying, you need to be like a little child. You know, a little child, if you say do it, most of the time they do it until they become teenagers. You know, if they say do it, they do it. Because that's what mom and dad said. So, Jesus starts talking about that starts talking about the humility that's involved with that, the the lowliness of being a child, because children at that time were not high high esteemed. They were kind uh, kind of the riffraff, you know, they're just in the way in that society at that time. So the rest of the chapter, then Jesus is now talking about the importance of humility. And what is humility? Humility is lowering yourself, and you know, raising other people as more important, or even God as more important. He says, you need to be like a child. And then he goes on and he says, But if you cause, I, I, I could just imagine Jesus here sitting on a stump or whatever else and says, You need to be just like a little child. But if you cause one of these children to stumble, it'll be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. Whoa, I could just imagine Jesus' face at that time. He's pretty much saying everyone has value, even one of these little ones. And then Jesus turns the conversation a little bit. It doesn't quite make sense unless you look at the fact that he's talking about humility here. Humility is looking at the value of somebody else, looking at somebody and the needs that they have. And he says, he turns the conversation says, if you see someone that sins or some translations are sins against you go to them in private and try to restore the relationship or try to bring them back. He says, what does that have to do with humility? Because we don't like doing that. We, We would rather get on Facebook and start typing away. Or how many? How many of you used to have party lines on the telephone? Okay, you, you you know what I mean. Party line. You know, you you pick it up and you can hear what everybody's saying on on the on the line. You know, you got about you know five or ten different houses on that party line. You pick it up, somebody's talking. You know, we had we had this lady that when we were talking too long on the phone would start. You know what do you. Uh, with that little uh, ring dial thing, you know, just, just I want to talk, I want to talk, and she'd just do that, you know. And but if you wanted a good gossip, all you had to do is just pick up the phone and listen, because then you got good gossip. I mean, no one would know you're on the phone unless you're breathing on it. And 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 so and so, maybe you'll get on the party line and say, "Do you know what so and so did to me? I can't believe that. I can't believe that." But, but Jesus is saying, humble yourself and go to them. See, the one thing that we know what the scriptures talk about is there will be conflict. We will have conflict. The Bible comes right out and says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28, he says, but if you do marry, Paul's talking about marriage here, he says, if you do marry, you have not sinned. If a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in life. Boy, doesn't take long for us to realize that once we get married, now does it? So here's Darwin. I'm a farm boy from Indiana. Marries a city girl from Toledo, Ohio. All right? See, this is why this area is so refreshing for me, because I'm kind of going home, you know, what I grew up with. And so you go down the road, you wave at people. Polly goes, who you waving at? I don't know. Do you know him? No. What are you doing? Waving, right? And so I'm going downtown Toledo, and so what am I doing as a country boy? I'm waving at everybody, you know? Hey, how you doing? Da, 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 da. And what is Polly doing? Get your hand down. You might get shot. <laughs> I go to Franklin Park Mall, which is the Glenbrook of Toledo, and and, and two teenagers are fighting. What do country boys do? You split them up. Right? You stop the fight. So I can get in between them. Get over there. Get over there. They, they took the, uh, the the cafeteria tray, hit each other over the head with it. What do you think Polly's saying? They might have a knife. See, the, those are the differences. And, and, and so for 35 years... These differences continue to battle within us. How she was brought up, how I was brought up. One of our first major discussions, what I'm still right at, was talking about how uh, how you were going to raise your children and how some of the discipline comes about. Well, she was brought up, don't you ever do this. I had it happen to me. So? It's okay. It ain't going to hurt them. Yeah, it will never happen in our house type of thing. So you have these conflicts that come in, in into the relationship. And so, uh, you know, Paul recognizes that. He says, if you get married, you will face troubles. And it's just not talking about conflict. It's talking about a lot of things that happen. Now, here, here, here gives you an idea. Two men lived in a small village, and they got into an argument. They decided to settle their dispute, so they would talk to the town sage. And the sage is kind of like the mayor of the town, or the wise person of the town. The first man went to the sage's home and told his version of what happened. When he had finished, the sage said, You're absolutely right. The next night, the second man called on the sage and told his side of the story. And the sage responded, You're absolutely right. Afterwards, the sage's wife scolded her husband. Those men told you two different stories, and you told them they were absolutely right. That's impossible. They can't both be absolutely right. The sage turned to his wife and said, you're absolutely right. Smart sage. Do you realize you can be both absolutely right? Do you know that? I've learned that over the years. Sometimes you can disagree on things and still be absolutely right. And both of you are right. I like pink carpet, she likes purple carpet. Nothing wrong with it, we just disagree. And that's what happens. So, I mean, how do you handle in a church, because Jesus, if you remember four weeks ago, Jesus prayed that we would be one. And I think Jesus knew what was coming. Peter, type A personality, right? Paul, type A personality. What do you think happened when those two got together? There is a section in scripture in Acts chapter 15 where Paul disagreed with Barnabas and it says the discussion was so heated that they parted ways and Endeavor says that they came back together. It had to do with John Mark. See, Paul brought John Mark on a missionary journey with him. In the middle of the journey, John Mark missed mommy. The Bible literally says he went went back to mommy. And And so... they were going on another missionary journey, John uh, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him. Paul said, "No, he left me beside one time. I'm not going to do this again." So they parted ways. Barnabas took John Mark with him, or Mark, and 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 uh, 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 Paul uh, went his way. Paul took Silas. Interesting thing about that, if you read Scripture later on, especially in Timothy, you see that. Paul is calling for Mark to come to him and calls him very valuable to him. Just an interesting side note. So you see those disagreements. So how is it that a brother should handle it when we disagree with each other? Or better yet, what happens if the brother sins against you? Well, that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 18. What I'm going to share with you is some principles that apply to the church it doesn't necessarily apply to the secular realm, even though there are certain things, there are certain aspects of it that I'll share with you later that I believe do apply. And I'll explain that a little bit later. So Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, and some of your translations say sins against you. All right? If your brother or sister sins, Go point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you will have won them over. But if they, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as a pagan or tax collector. Hard teaching. Shouldn't the church, shouldn't we just be singing kumbaya all the time? Hard teaching. Let's dissect this. Okay. First of all, the ultimate goal in this is not just reconciliation between you and someone else, but the ultimate goal is the reconciliation of the brother to the Lord. That's the ultimate goal. How do I know that? Because it comes out and says, if your brother sins. Big word there, sins. Okay? So it starts out and says, if your brother. So what is he referring to? A fellow Christian. He's not referring to someone in the secular realm. This is pretty much talking about in the church. If your brother sins, if your brother, okay? So a fellow believer is essentially what it's talking about because why are you going to bring a, a non-believer in in front of the in front of the fellowship as we eventually get down to okay if your brother and what does he do you have a disagreement no sins that's a big word there it's referring it refers to sins in versus disagreement i believe you can disagree and not sin as i said pink carpeting versus purple carpeting Now, it can't turn into a sin if you're not careful. And I've seen it turn into sins. But you know what? I I, I live by the motto of is this a hill that I'm willing to die for? If Polly wants to paint her room purple with pink polka dots, then she can paint her room with purple with pink polka dots. I really don't care. It doesn't bother. I won't go into her room. It'll drive me nuts. But sometimes we have to be so right, so much. We've got to be right. We've got to be right that we don't understand that it's destroying those around us. Okay, so sin is messy. Now, notice what the word is, sin. They sin. Be very careful on this one because we have to understand that we're we're recognizing that someone is sinning, which means they're going against God's standard. Let me, let me read some of these. Maybe they're not honoring their father and mother. Maybe they killed. Maybe they stole. Maybe they're committing adultery. Maybe they're bearing false witness and lying. Maybe they're coveting their neighbor's wife and coveting their neighbor's goods. Maybe according to Romans chapter 1, they're filled with all types of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are filled with envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossiping or slanderers, haters of good, insolent, haughty. I just love that word, haughty. I always get stuck on that one. They're, maybe they're haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Maybe they're foolish, faithfulness, and heartless, and ruthless. Those are sins. Maybe according to Galatians chapter five verse nineteen, they maybe they're sexually immoral, impure. Maybe they're 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 focusing on idolatry. So, I can never say sorcery right. Sorcery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealous fits of anger, uh, dissensions, divisions. Maybe they're bringing division in church. Maybe they're uh, envy, ruthless, involved with orgies and things like this. And Paul comes out and says, I, I warn you not even to associate with these people. So I can go further. But I, I think it's important that we just, if it is a sin that we're watching them doing, or they've sinned against you, that, that, that's, I think that's the key. As I said, we can disagree and not sin. It can happen. So what does it say? Go. That's an imperative word in the Greek, which essentially means immediate. Don't waste time. Do it immediately. So we go. Okay, it means don't sit and seethe. Okay. It shows the person it's important enough that I care enough about you that we're going to deal with this immediately, or our relationship is valuable enough that I'm going to deal with it immediately. Galatians chapter six, verse one. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch out you yourself, so you yourself don't fall in temptation. Notice what, this goes against the narrative that's in our society today. You know how it is when you point out sin, and you say this is sin? What, what normally happens? Well, you're disobeying the Scriptures. You know, judge not lest you be judged. And they hit you with that one. Don't judge not lest be judged. They forget about what that entire passage says, but judge not lest you be judged. And they hit that, hit you right in the eyes with that, judge not lest you be judged. Really? How many times in the scripture says that we are to go to that person? But here's the key. And I think this is the big key and big difference, okay? Normally, those people who are hitting you with those verses are not Christian, okay? This is referring to Christians, fellow Christians. Do, do, do you see that? Okay, how are we to go? Privately. We don't get on Facebook. We don't get on the party line. We, we go show the brother or sister grace and dignity. Now this is where in the secular realm I believe it should happen as well. Because I think every one of us have been involved with that. Where somebody, uh, maybe a, a boss or employer or somewhere, we get reamed publicly. You don't even hear what they're saying because you're so embarrassed by what's happening. He says, "Go privately." I mean, I, as you know, I've been involved with fire departments and emergency services, and I've been I've been reamed publicly in front of people before, and it's like, really, I, I, I'm ready to hand in my gear right now. I had a situation happen where I was driving the grass truck and the. Chief came up and talked to me, and this is twenty-some odd years ago. Came up to say something, and I accidentally put it in gear and went about two or three inches. Just truck jerked, and boy, he 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 reamed me in front of absolutely everybody because I told you to stop, not to move, and yet you were moving everywhere. Da, 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 and then we got back to the station. And I said, Chief, come with me walked into the office, shut the door, and then it was my turn. I said, don't you ever read me in front of people like that ever again. You, If you're in leadership, you don't understand, that will destroy credibility because people like to go on the side of the underdog. And we had a nice conversation after that. Even though he wasn't a Christian, we still live by this uh, Christian principle. So it says, go privately, okay? Tell him his fault, which literally means to shed light on the person. Uh, the person may not even know they're sinning. You say, how can they do that? Really? Have you been watching television lately? <laughs> What's right is wrong, and wrong is right anymore. So much so that, I mean, people think it's a rite of passage to do certain things now in order for relationships to continue. And you're going, that's not what the scriptures say, but that's just part of our society anymore. And just because it's acceptable in society doesn't mean it's acceptable by God. I mean, th- this area is extremely conservative. Trust me on this one. And like I said, I come here and I go, oh, this is so nice. This is what I grew up with. But you, you, you go to where I, we came from in Findlay, Ohio, and you got people been married three, four, five times up there. You got kids that are living with uh, uncle because mom and dad uh, are out of state. Because if they come back, they end up in jail. To have a couple come to me that's doing everything biblically right is was so rare up there. To get married was is so rare. At least there is some semblance down here. But as I said, shed light on it. Make sure you use scripture. Don't just say, I believe this. Because, I mean, I can take scripture and I can bend it all out of the way if you want. I mean, one of the, one, one of the scriptures that I think is used as a hammering so many times is, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Therefore, don't do this. Really? How far do you want to go with that? I understand Diet Coke's not too good. That's what I understand. I don't know. I drink it. <laughs> See, it's... Make sure the scriptures are very specific about it. Then it says, and here's the key. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. That's the key. Restoration of a relationship and for the person to get restored back to God. I I, I think that's the key. You see, if if you're in a house and it's on fire, are you going to tell people to get out of the house that's on fire? Yes. Even if they're your enemies, you're going to still tell them to get out of the house that's on fire. Now, it's their choice if they're going to get out of the house or not until they knock themselves out and you drag them out. But the key is, is the restoration of our brother or sister to the Lord. That's the key. And that's the ultimate goal. By the way, the word restoration actually means mending. The Greek word for that is two broken bones that are brought back together. That's that's the Greek word for it. Okay. He says then, If he does not listen, then take two others along with you that every charge might be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So there's two purposes in that. He's a mediator that now comes in, and the mediator then says, determines, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're wrong. You could be. I've been wrong a few times, but I've been wrong. But the purpose is, is now this mediator's there, and he can see and report back how the person is acting. And maybe the mediator then has some ideas that would be beneficial. Okay. Then it says, but if he refuses to listen to them, then take him to the church. And if he refuses to even listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. This is the hard part. I've never taken anyone before the church. I've gotten close. This person's long gone now, and his family's long gone. So, so it's. But this individual was bringing dissension in the church and was going around uh, spreading falsehoods about uh, my head elder, and uh, and I knew it was false. I 100, I knew it was false. I'm not going to go in much detail about it. But I took him aside, said, "You're going to stop it. No, I'm not going to stop it. It's true." I brought a mediator in. He agreed with me that this person's off base. And finally, we we turned our backs on him, walked out, and says, we're now going to take you before the church. At that point, he then repented of it. So that that was the good results of it. But the purpose of bringing it before the church is not so much punishment, but once again, it is restoration. That's the key to the whole thing is restoration back into the fellowship. And so what happens is, they said, you treat him like a Gentile or a tax collector. I don't believe that we turn our backs on people, unless, there there, there are some exceptions to that. But in the Baptist realm, the Baptists say this, uh, no longer consider them a brother, but we consider them a friend. So it, it means that, They are now no longer members of the church. We haven't kicked them out or anything like that, but they're no longer members of the church, and they might be denied communion in the church. So some of the benefits of of being a brother or sister in Christ. The purpose, once again, is not for the sake of humiliation, punishment, or anything like that. The purpose is restoration. That should be the purpose of the church on everything. To bring people back to Jesus. Those who wander away, to bring them back. Those who might be wandering away and they don't even know that, to bring them back. So that they can experience the full joy in Jesus Christ. Sometimes you got to get tough. I don't like it, but sometimes you have to. So when it says treat them as a tax collector or a pagan, what do you do with a pagan tax collector? Is you want them to come to Jesus. That's the purpose. So it says if they if if they if they don't even listen to the church. Now, there are times you have to say I'm sorry. But Now, I've never done it. But I do know pastors who have. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 5. The Apostle Paul was talking about a man in the Corinthian church that was having sexual relations with his father's wife. So we're not sure if it was his mom or his stepmom. And the Apostle Paul says, hand him over to Satan for the destruction of flesh so that his spirit might be saved on the day of the Lord. He goes on and says, get rid of the old yeast so that you might be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So what he's saying is, there are times if the, if the sin is permeating the church and starting to infiltrate the church, you need to deal with it. And sometimes you guys got to say, well, I'm sorry. Um, where there's uh, splitting or or whatever else. But so there are times, but I think those are once again are extremely rare. But here's the purpose. Our purpose is to bring them back for restoration, not for punishment. I know you're probably saying, but pastor, this is so this is you're being pretty harsh. You got to understand, it's done out of humility and love for the benefit of the other person. Not so we stand up and say, hey, I kicked twenty-seven people out of church today. No, no, no. 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 No pastor should ever be. Every pastor does this, or every board, or every authority does, it rips them apart. It's just it's horrible when you have to go through this. The purpose is to show the world and the church the importance of holiness. It is important that we understand what holiness is. The purpose is to produce unity and harmony in the church. And the purpose has changed my focus from me to thee. It's not about me, it's about God. This is the bride of Christ. And the ultimate goal... Oh, and the purpose is to demonstrate the reality and the importance of the spiritual well-being of another person. The ultimate goal is not just reconciliation with you, but reconciliation with the Lord. The Bible states, i go to John chapter 17, verse 20. And I go back to the original passage that I read three, four, five weeks ago where Jesus said this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world might believe. That you have sent me. Notice the last verse, so that the world might know that you have sent me. Wow. That should be our goal. Let's pray. Father, some hard stuff preached about today. But the Bible is filled with a lot of great things and hard things, and but help us to go forward. Help us to be obedient and help us to follow what the scriptures say. We thank you in Jesus' name.